0: Welcome to the Life House Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others, as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging, and life-giving. Be blessed.
1: It's good to be here, isn't it? Excellent. Myself, Jake, and Walter are very excited to be here and uh, sharing the Word with you guys this morning. And uh, we're continuing on with our, our Psalm series, our, our Songs of Summer. So um, I thought I'd get straight into it. And um, I'm going to read from uh, Psalm 151. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to uh, Psalm 151. And uh, we're going to read that. So it says, O God, we give you glory above all, for you are above all. Hear my cries to you, O God. May iced coffee not give me a sick tummy. Lord, help me not trip over every minuscule object in my way. Let me not roll down a cliff while on bike or simply strolling. (laughs) May Mama Sue please do my washing, because sometimes I really don't want to. May no one take this as scripture or think that I'm a heathen. (laughs) Now enough of this silly waffle, let's get into something with a bit of meaning. So, uh, (laughs) thank you, thank you. Now, um, the reason I did this was when we were asked to pick a psalm, Um, there was a group chat and we all uh, got to pick a number. And I thought, oh, I'll I'll do a bit of a silly joke and I'll write Psalm 151, get a bit of a reaction. Obviously, it's not a real psalm. Um, If you're biblically astute and you thought, hang on, Mitchell, Psalm 151, that's not right. There's only 150. Well done. If you didn't, that's okay because no one in uh, the group chat picked up on it either. (laughs) And i have signed them all up for for Lifehouse College next year. (laughs) So um, I'm sure we'll, we'll be all good. Now, while this is clearly a joke, I do have a bit of a point to this. Um, throughout the Psalms, we see um, that the writers, mostly King David, he really pours out his heart to God through these Psalms. Now, obviously, this is a bit of a joke, but um, I think that you know King David was said to have a heart after God's, and I think that it's something that we, to to write these, is something that we are given permission can and possibly should do. You see, these Psalms are insights directly into the writers' lives, and we see. Um, the hard times and the good times, we see the struggles, we see the victories, we see it all. And um, to have a heart after God's perhaps is to have an open heart like that and to have one that shares um, our concerns but is also so quick to praise. So um, this morning we are talking about this concept of the beauty between. So if, you wanna, if you're taking notes this morning, you want a title, um, The Beauty Between. Understanding that we do live in this balance of hard times and good times. And for some of us, it feels like these hard times and good times are years apart. And for some of us, it feels like if we have a good day today, then tomorrow must be bad. And for some of us, we're living in this confusion of, of good and bad, both at the same time. And um, this morning, we, I'm going to be reading, reading a real psalm. Uh, don't worry. And um, it's, it's a depiction, really, of, of David's attitude of living in this beauty in between. And it's straight out of a situation... Where, well, it's a direct response, really, out of a situation that he was in that was, we can see, both good, but still, but, sorry, both bad, but still good. At the same time, we can see the attitude that he chooses to have through it. So we're going to read through Psalms 57. Um, so if your heresy radar was pinging before, you can uh, come back on. This is a real psalm. So Psalm 57 says, Be merciful, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I take refuge to the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most High, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples me. God will send out his steadfast love and faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lay down amid fiery beasts. The children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp words. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be all over the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, let your glory be all over the earth. So we can see already from that first read through, so clearly there is good, but yet there is still bad. And Old Testament scholars have done a great job in actually determining where in the timeline of King David's life these psalms were written. And this psalm was written actually by David when he was hiding in the cave from Saul. Now, a bit of background context of that. Um, David. Shepherd boy was told he was going to be king of Israel. Saul, not too happy about it. And we see um, through 1 Samuel 19 onwards, uh, this pursuit of of Saul um, trying to kill David. And there's times where he's not so mad about it. There's times where he's really mad about it. And he's going through. And David's in a bit of strife. And um, David was going through a lot through this time. You know, he's been alienated from the nation that he was told he's going to be king. His good friend Jonathan, Saul's son, his um, counsel, he was cut off from him. The man Saul, who David refers to as my father through scripture, he's trying to kill him. He has 400 men loyal to him who he doesn't know if he can protect. You know, he's worried that his family, his parents are going to get caught up in this mess. There's a lot going on in the heart of David through this. But we see through David, the way he's written this, this idea of living in the beauty of between we see so clearly that while there is bad yet there is still good and I want to read this again and I want to read through this uh, with us knowing the situation that David was in but I want to add some thoughts you as we as we go through and I want to really share the heart of David and show the heart of David and there's a word if you're reading along as well you might have seen this word um, Salah that's in the the passage as well. When the word Salah, it's a Hebrew word and it's a musical direction that they think, they're pretty sure means to pause. And I think that David uses this in key moments through our psalms and he uses this in key moments through this psalm to stop the music, to pause and reflect. And we see this through this psalm that while to achieve that balance, to achieve that beauty between, there's times to stop, to pause and reflect. So we're going to read through this psalm again. So be merciful, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I take refuge. Till the storms of destruction pass by, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put the shame, him who tramples me. Him who tramples me. King Saul, I'm hiding in this dirty cave. I'm responsible for these men. I don't know if I can make it. But Salah. Stop. Pause. Reflect. Reflect on God. Think of him. God will send out his steadfast love and faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lay down amid fiery beasts. The children of man, whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp words. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. Selah. Stop. Reflect. My heart is steadfast, O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory, awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be all over the earth. David, in the midst of this psalm, you can see He is in agony. You can see his heart is bleeding. He doesn't know what to do. He feels trapped. He feels betrayed. And there's unsureness. Yet, throughout all, there's still an assurance in this steadfast, unwavering nature of God. And what I want to encourage us this morning is that as you go about your weeks, to do it like we can see David has written. To actually pour out your heart to him, but to also remember to Salah, to stop, to pause and reflect, knowing that we do have a steadfast, unwavering God, and living in the beauty between, living in this balance of while there is good and while there is bad, because the reality is we are going to have good days and we are going to have bad days. But for us to live in this beauty between, for us to live in this balance um, of knowing that God is still in control, we need to salah, We need to stop. We need to pause. We need to reflect on who He is, the nature of Him. So I encourage you to do that this morning, um, and let's, let's live our lives in conversation with God, as He shows us we can do uh, with that beauty between our mind. I'd like to invite Jacob up as he uh, continues this morning. Thanks, Pastor
0: Mitchell. No. Thank you, Pastor Mitchell, for that great word. Who's excited to be in the house this morning? I love being in this place. Um, I'm so excited to be here. I love this house. I love what God is doing in our community, not only here physically, but also online to those watching from afar, um, all across Australia, all across um, the world. And yeah, I just love um, being here. I just love this place. So um, I'm excited. I am so ready um, to be up here. And um, so I'm going to be reading from Psalm 65. So if you have your Bibles or if you want to go on the phone, otherwise it'll be on the screen behind me. So Psalm 65, verse 9 to 11 says, "'You take care of the earth and water it, "'making it rich and fertile. "'The river of God has plenty of water. "'It provides a bountiful harvest of grain, "'for you have ordered it so. "'You drench the ploughed ground with rain, "'melting the clods and levelling the ridges. "'You soften the earth with showers "'and bless its abundant crops.'" You crown the year with a bountiful harvest, even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture, and the hillsides blossom with joy. The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep, and the valleys are carpeted with grain. They all shout and sing for joy. So, for the next 10 minutes or so, I just want to be focusing on those last two verses where it says, You crown the year with a bountiful harvest, even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture and the hillsides blossom with joy. They blossom with joy. The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep and the valleys are carpeted with grain. They all shout and sing for joy. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm currently a uni student for six more days. Come on, six more days. I'm so excited. Yeah, so until I have my last exam and I am out there gone. So um, yeah, so I, uh, I've i been studying a Bachelor of Agricultural Sciences. Um, so if you remove all that fancy talk, it's basically just going to uni and learning how to farm. Um, so I've been doing that for the past three years and I've absolutely been loving that. But I love um, gardening and so I love growing fruit, veggies, anything you can like eat. I love growing that. I love learning about the processes involved on getting the best harvest um, from those plants that you can. And I believe that God speaks to us, each of us in different ways and, and how our brains are wired. And so for me, when when I read um, that scripture, you know, based on studying a science-based degree and also uh, just le- knowing a lot about how plants grow and the processes involved in nature for growth and developing fruit, God speaks to me through that. So when I was reading verse 12, that, that phrase, the hillsides, blossom with joy. The hillsides blossom with joy. That really stood out to me. And so God sp- and God spoke to me in that. And, and that's a common thing for me where God takes physical aspects of nature, the physical processes of nature, and actually talks to me about how that can relate to us in our spiritual walk, in our faith, in in, in our walk with Jesus. And so I'm going to be bringing a little bit, emphasis on a little bit of science into the service this morning. And it's not going to be heavy, won't be complex, but I really believe that it's going to um cause a shift in perspective for some people here this morning. So we all ready? All good? Awesome. Alright, well I uh I am a summer man. I love summer through and through I absolutely love it. Anyone else with me? No else with summer? Any winter people if you dare raise your hand? Okay, there's a few. That's all right. Uh, No, but I I love summer because I'm an outdoorsy person. I love going camping. I love going to the beach, to the river, just like all that kind of stuff. I just love summer. And I have so many good memories ever since I was a little kid of, you know, having barbecues and having beach days. I grew up in Portland, Victoria, which is a coastal town. So going to the beach and, and just having the barbecues and stuff. And so all these really good memories. But the one thing that unites them all is food, food. And coming from my family, my sister will vouch for this, um, we never really had got to get dessert. So dessert was always fruit, always fruit. So for me, I always, these good memories of summer are with summer fruit. I love summer fruit. Watermelons, blueberries, mangoes, strawberries, all this stuff, peaches, apricots, I love fruit. And I don't know how how I got onto this thought. I think it was a mix between preparing for this message and doing a uni assignment. I was wondering, I wonder what the like Israelites in like, you know, David's time harvested in summer. And so I did a bit of research, and what I found was that actually, like the only thing that the Israelites harvested throughout the summer months were fruit. The o- only thing was fruit. All the cereals and the grains and legumes they were all harvested. They had already been harvested. And so summertime was just a time of fruit particularly things like grapes olives and figs they were the main three types of fruit and so um for and so i was thinking about this and how this relates to the series we're in at the moment sounds of summer and i was thinking so summer was just a time where fruit was harvested for them and obviously like they didn't have all the refrigeration units and storage units that you know, we have today. So we have a year-round supply of fresh fruit. So it was only during the summertime, those summer months, where they were able to have fresh fruit because otherwise they just dried or preserved it so they could still eat it. But it was only during summer where they were able to enjoy fresh fruit. And so even like um, in, in Deuteronomy 26, it sort of mentions how the first fruit festivals. So I was thinking about this and how You know, it says like they would rejoice and celebrate these harvests of, of this fruit and they would have these celebrations and they would be rejoicing and thanking God. And so for me, like I was thinking, so during the summer months for them, summer was just a time of rejoicing. There was a time of celebration because of the fruit that God had blessed them with, the, the land that God had given them. He had blessed that and, and it became productive and they were able to have fruit. And so in Deuteronomy 26, it sort of talks about how uh, the Israelites were to go and, and give a, an offering to God of the um, first fruits of every crop that they are And in verse 11, it then says, afterward, you may go and celebrate because of all the things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. So summer was a time of rejoicing and celebrating with what God had given them and how He had blessed them. But it's it's the process of how that fruit develops that's interesting because without it there would be no fruit. So there would be no summer of rejoicing and celebrating. So I'm gonna go through how does fruit grow. What's the process involved of fruit? Well, most people know that if you have a fruit tree in your backyard or whatever, that during the springtime, it blossoms. That sort of means flowers. And so this tree that's planted in the ground, it grows up and it flowers during the springtime. But what a lot of people don't actually realize is that beforehand, there's another process that, has, uh, that must occur in order for those blossoms which lead to fruit develop. So this is where the science com- comes in. So th- this, this, this process, it's called vernalization. Vernalization, not verminization. It's not a bunch of rats and mice running around, but vernalization. So to put it in simple terms, um, this is, vernalization is the process of a tree being exposed to enough cold weather so that it can develop buds, it can develop buds to which blossoms form. So it's that process of being experiencing and going through being exposed to enough cold weather so that the tree can actually develop the buds from which blossoms bloom from. And so without that, the tree physically cannot produce blossoms. It will try, but it just can't because it hasn't been through that harsh environment. It hasn't been through that cold period. And so I was thinking about that, and like with without that, so if if that never happened, there would be no fruit, like first fruit festivals. What is it? F-f-f-f. The first fruit festivals. There'd be no rejoicing in Israel. There would be no celebrating. There would be no new grapes to produce new wine. There would be no olive harvest to produce the new olive oil to, for their food and to present God as an offering to. There would be no figs to celebrate and feast on. There'd be none of that without that cold period. Without that exposure. And so it was the season between the two summers that allowed there to be rejoicing in in summer. It was that beauty between the two summers, that beauty between those two times of celebration, the beauty between those two things that allowed there to be a celebration and rejoicing. And so even even though it was cold and and there was was darkness and it would have been a really harsh environment and it looked like there was only loss and it may have looked like on the outside that the trees were dead, that exposure and that time actually resulted in there being fruit, that time resulted in there being rejoicing and in celebrating how God had blessed them. And I believe that there's a spiritual process of vernalization that we can go through a season of winter that when we're exposed to the cold and the darkness, those really tough times in life, we, that actually is the process of God developing fruit within us. But when we're in there, it can be like, why God? <laughs> like, Why am I going through this? Like, Why did I lose my job? Why can't we have kids? Why did they have to die even though they were so young? you know, why did my mom have to get cancer? There's all all the all these questions that we have when we're in the in the middle of it all. And I'm only 22, but I've gone through some seasons of winter as well. But particularly one was like this year, and I'm sure it was everyone with, with 2020. It's been a really weird year. And during the pandemic, and I, like I've said at the start, I love this house. I love being at Lifehouse. And so because I actually don't live in um, Mount Mount, not Mount Barker. I do live in Mount Barker. I don't live in Murray Bridge. I live in Mount Barker. And so when restrictions first happened, I wasn't able to see anyone for two weeks. It was two weeks before I saw anyone from church. So all my friends, all my pastors, all my leaders, I wasn't able to see anyone. And I love being on the youth team. I love leading junior high. Some of my guys right there. I love doing all that stuff. And so like not being able to be here for two weeks, that was really hard for me. And as well, because like my parents were away, they were interstate. And so there was all this stuff happening. And so it was a really hard time for me. And and um, and yeah, so 2020, it's been just a, a season of loss for a lot of people. There's been a lot of loss of life. There's been like a, a loss of opportunities, but there's been a loss of jobs. And so it's been a really hard year for all of us. But, but looking back, looking back, at least for me, I can actually see how there was beauty in that even in all that tough time, even in all all that rubbish that sort of happened and throughout every, every hard thing that I've gone through in my life, like I can actually see the beauty in that. I can see how God's been in that and I can see how there's been fruit from that. You know, I can see The beauty between all of that, not just in my life, but the others too, in other people's lives too. I can see the fruit of consistency. I can see the fruit of unshakable character. I can see the fruit of intentionally pursuing God when the circumstances and culture is screaming at them or at me saying, you don't have to do that. But I've seen the fruit in all of that. And I can look back and see the beauty between that. And now that it's like for me in a summer period, I can rejoice and I can celebrate. And I can thank God for bringing me through those tough times and leading me into a time where I can rejoice and reflect, like Pastor Mitchell was saying. I can reflect on, on those times where God has been good to me and he, He's led me through things. And thanking God for His goodness, the sounds of summer, just like the Israelites would have had. So Paul talks about this, so not Paul, but like in in Romans, uh, in 5 verses 3 to 5, this is described. It says that we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. How dearly God loves us, because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. And so when those seasons of winter come, it's an opportunity for fruit to grow, for seeds to be planted, and and for that exposure so that we can look back and actually see the beauty between. We can actually see that beauty, the beauty of those moments, even though it's really tough when you're in those moments. But I just really want to encourage you this morning, church, that, that if you're in that at the moment or whenever you will be in that soon, because we all go through seasons of life, just like there's physical seasons uh, every year. We all go through seasons of life. And so if you're in the, at, this, at this stage, I just really want to encourage you to allow God to just, uh, to just be open to what God is showing you in that time, to just be open to having your perspective change, and, and, and asking God what He is speaking to you and what He is wanting to teach and also what He's wanting to develop within you during those times. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture and the hillsides blossom with joy. The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep and the valleys are carpeted with grain. They all shout and sing for joy. Why don't we welcome up Mitch uh, Walter as he's going to be bringing the
2: final part of this web? Well, good morning. This is an exciting morning, isn't it? I'm excited. Who's excited to be here? God's house, God's people? How awesome is that? I I am actually really excited today. And so I thought I'd uh, introduce you all to someone who always gets me excited. uh, And that's my car, Dorange. There we are. That's my dream car. And uh, I was, um, about a year ago, it was being built for me by my friend Sam. And he was uh, messaging me about some parts. This was almost exactly a year ago. Uh, I was messaging him about some parts that he was getting for the car. He was asking whether I wanted the standard parts or pay a bit more, get some better quality stuff. I had to go with the standard, though, because I was saving up for my house. Um, So that was happening, too. So that was really exciting. It was just a really exciting time of my life, uh, one year ago. Um, And then the next day, my dad died of cancer. And um, yeah, my life changed forever. And that's, uh, I took that photo of the car at the graveyard where he's now buried. And so it very quickly went from really exciting to absolutely devastating. And so I'd like to talk to you this morning about how sometimes we've got good days and bad days happening at the same time. Sometimes our hills and our valleys just kind of collide and we're left with a bit of a mess to deal with. So I wanted to read to you today from Psalm 60, which is, I feel, a psalm that David wrote while he was going through a similar kind of time, how he had good times and bad times all all happening at once. Um, It was actually written, he was kind of facing these three enemies. Um, He was facing some Syrians some people from Mesopotamia, and some people from Edom. I hope I'm pronouncing those right. Um, And so two of those fights were going terribly. He had big losses against the Syrians and the Mesopotamians, if that's what they're called. But then Edom, he was smashing it, absolutely smashing it. Um, So on the one hand, he's got, you know, all this loss, and he's wondering why God's forsaken him. And on the other hand, he's, he's seeing victory at God's hand. So I'm going to read through that one. Um, but yeah, it was a confusing time for David because he's, he knows God's with him. So why are they losing? So the psalm goes like this. You have rejected us, O God, and burst upon us. You have been angry, now restore us. You have shaken the land and torn it open. Mend its fractures, for it is quaking. Quaking. You have shown your people desperate times. You have given us wine that makes us stagger. Now, I wasn't sure whether that was a good thing or a bad thing. But what he's really saying there is like we're just confused. This doesn't make any sense. You've shown your people desperate times. Why are you doing that? And then we read on. But for those who fear you, you have raised a banner to be unfurled against the bow. And then there's a Salah, again, like, like Mitchell was saying. Save us and help us with your right hand, that those you love may be delivered. God has spoken from his sanctuary. In triumph, I will parcel out Shechem and measure off the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet, Judah my scepter. Moab is my washbasin. Upon Edom, I toss my sandal. Over Philistia, I shout in triumph. Clearly, God... Is sovereign through all of this. But then he says, who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, O God, you who have rejected us and no longer go out with our armies? We're going to win. You're going to lead us to victory, but you're not with us. What's going on? Give us aid against the enemy, for the help of man is worthless. With God, we will gain the victory and he will trample down our enemies. So it's pretty full on. What we see here is is God knows, sorry, David knows that God is going to see him through. But God doesn't seem to be, you know, going out with him. He doesn't seem to be helping. He doesn't seem very active in David's struggles. And I think we've all had those times where we've felt like we're really struggling. And maybe we've gone to God and said, God, help me through this. And then nothing seems to change. And we can feel abandoned. But what I love about this is, is although his situation is failing, he still knows his God is good. He still knows his God loves him, and will see him to victory. I especially love those verses nine and ten. Is it not you, O God? Sorry, who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Who will lead me to victory? Who's going to get me through this struggle? Is it not you, O God? You who have rejected us and no longer go out with our armies. He still trusts him to get him through. He feels rejected and abandoned in one sense, but in another he knows he's okay. He doesn't know the outcome of his battles, but he knows he's God. Now we've been talking about different seasons in life and uh, there's something pretty cool about the seasons and this next sentence I'm going to say basically sums up my entire message this morning. So I could just say that and leave but I meant to fill up 10 minutes. (laughs) And that sentence is that the only difference between winter and summer is how close you are to the sun. How cool is that? The only difference between a winter season and a summer season is how close you are to the sun. And that's the earth being close to the sun, obviously, but also the only difference between a winter season in our life and a summer season in our life is how close we are to the Son of God, how close we are to Jesus. Now, I've had lots of good days over the last year, and I've had lots of bad days. My good days include when I got the car, when I got Dorange, when I got my house. There was a time I made myself a cup of cocoa and just sat there listening to the rain. That was pretty good. I made a joke about some insects once. That was a good day. (laughs) But I've also had bad days. I had a day where I had a big day of work, but I didn't have any energy. I had a day where I couldn't make it to a close friend's birthday party because I had no petrol money that that week. made a joke about some insects and my dad died. And so we often have these seasons where we don't really know how to feel. We don't know whether God's for us or against us and we're just trying to struggle through. But I remember the, dad, the day my dad died and I wanted to share that with you. I, um, my family was there at the hospital with him. And uh, we'd stayed there pretty much the whole week and we'd stayed up pretty much all of that night just in case something happened. We wanted to, you know, be there. We wanted to be awake. And um, I stayed up all night, fell asleep around six in the morning. And a few hours later, my older sister shook me awake because Dad's breathing had changed. And normally that's a sign that he's close to the end. And so I jumped to my feet. And I stood there at the foot of my dad's hospital bed with my mum and my siblings all around. And I watched as he took his last breath. My life changed forever because he was gone. That was the worst day of my life. And there was peace in that room. There was love in that room. There was beauty in that room because God's spirit was in that room with us. That was 100% worst day of my life and God was there. And so maybe maybe it's a bit harder to tell what makes a good day and what makes a bad day because that was the closest I've ever felt to God. And so I think that's a pretty good day. If we judge our closeness with God by the quality of our season we're always gonna be disappointed because no matter how good your day is, it can never measure up to him. But when we measure the quality of our season by our proximity to him, when that's what we base our day off of, was it a good day? Well, was I close to him? Then all we've gotta do to have a good day is just turn, because he's right there. If we turn to him, realize that he's been with us the whole time that's a good day that's a good season we don't have to look at the good things happening to one side or the bad things happening to another we can just look between them to the beauty of jesus on the cross and what he did for us and we can know that whatever the season we have a good god and so as the band makes their way up i'd just like to pray And if you'd all like to stand to your feet with me, I just want to pray to step closer to God. I don't know where you are in relation to him at the moment. Being in church is a great start. Maybe you're having a really good season. Maybe you're having a really bad one. Maybe you've never met God before. Maybe you've known him for years. But I just want to pray that each of us, no matter where we are, we take a step closer to him. Because that's going to brighten up our season. why won't you pray with me heavenly father we thank you that you are there that you promise to never leave us or forsake us god you are always right by us no matter the season no matter whether it's a winter whether it's a summer whether it's autumn or spring god whether we're having the best of our lives or the worst whether a new child's been born or whether a parent's died God, we trust you. We all want to step closer to you, Lord. Today, we want to make the active choice to to be closer to the sun and let our season be one of summer. That We can celebrate you. We can celebrate who you are. We can celebrate what you've done for us. Come on, let's get excited, God. We want to celebrate you. We thank you because you are there, always. You never give up on us, God, so... We don't want to give up on you. Help us choose you day after day after day, season after season, Lord. We want more of you, God. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember... The door is always open for you at LifeHouse, God's house, our home.